Hey, future applauders. Do you like talking about movies? Like smart movies? Dumb movies? Science fiction movies? Horror movies? Fantasy movies? Do you like listening to people talk about a movie longer than it would take you to actually watch the movie? Do you sit with your friends and rant at great length about things you're passionate about? You may be interested in Shocked and Applaud. Join us while we go through peculiar movies, traditional movies, movies that we just like, movies that we find are sort of like, huh? Do we follow somebody on social media and then they posted about a movie and we're just going to watch it now? Sure, why not? Our podcast is completely unscripted, so you're going to stumble through things with us because we stumble a lot. We're going to laugh. We're going to talk about what's problematic, but really, it comes down to talking about movies. You can visit us at shockedandapplaud.com, on Twitter at shockedapplaud, and Facebook at shockedandapplaud. We hope to see you there. I'm Bo Maddox. And I'm Ashley Chancellor. And this is Collateral Cinema and Collateral Gaming. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it. Hello, Collateral Cinema denizens. How are y'all doing tonight? <laughs> yes, uh, thank you to all of our fans that are listening right now and have been listening to us for the past five or six years, depending on uh, wh- what you count as the start here. Um, but uh, this is uh, actually part two of our Meekiversary special. Uh, we're kind of decided to do a two-parter this year because it is our special five-year mark of doing this continuously. Yeah, so we decided uh, let's do a redux of Takashi Miike's audition, which is already out and everything. And uh, this time around, we decided to kind of tie in with uh, Collateral Gaming here and talk about a Takashi Miike video game adaptation. Yeah, because I actually wanted to talk about the Ace Attorney franchise this season as it's something that I just started getting into, I guess, last year. Fell in love with the franchise. Just absolutely fell in love with these games. Played every single game that there is to offer. Started checking out all of the other material. And then to find out that Takashi Miike, of all people, did a film adaptation of Ace Attorney, I thought, no, 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 let's do it. Since we're doing a Redux on Audition, let's just do like a two-part thing. So uh, this is part Miikiversary, part Collateral Gaming Collab. And I, I'm really excited to get into this one. Absolutely. I mean, we've actually done like... This is like the fourth video game adaptation we've done in a row so far, which is interesting. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we started it off with with uh, Need for Speed, which was Robert's pick, and then we we all we did Silent Hill before that. Silent Hill, and then we uh, what, what was the other one? Um, I think uh, like in a row though that that's it. Um, oh yeah, that is. 
So this would be our uh, fourth one then. Or this Silent would be, Hill. Need this for would Speed. be number three. This would be number three. <laughs> what is the th- what is the third movie I'm thinking of? Didn't we do another video game? Did we do something else this season? Maybe let me. I'm, I'm looking back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Now I, I I'm just not following things now. Oh, Resident Evil. Resident we did, Evil. We there did we do Resident there Evil. There we go. This, we did Resident uh, Evil. So we've done a lot of uh, video game related content on Collateral Cinema, which is really cool. I think. I mean, it's not obviously not the first adaptation that we've done. You know, Mortal Kombat. Uh, we did uh, Super Mario Brothers. And anytime like a new video game movie comes out, we branded a collab. So, um, but we, we've even done you know a couple like uh, like two part things where we kind of do something on the cinema and the gaming side. This is what's going to happen with Ace Attorney as well because, like I said, part of this was just me just uh, absolutely falling in love with the Ace Attorney franchise and finally getting the opportunity to talk about it. Um, but I, I guess let's start from there, okay? So, Bo, you haven't played the Ace Attorney games, but, I mean, you've, you've watched me play a little bit. You've seen the clips. Here and there, yeah. So, And, and I've also watched some uh, Phoenix Wright content on YouTube here and there, you know, some Let's Plays. So, I mean, I'm at least familiar with the gameplay and everything, what goes into it. And this is it's a... just, I, I never really got into the actual cases and the storylines and whatever, so... And this is a video game series that has spawned um, six mainline entries, uh, another spinoff series called The Great Ace Attorney, a, a, a couple of spinoffs centered on uh, Miles Edgeworth, even a crossover with the Professor Layton franchise. It has received an anime adaptation, stage plays, and a live-action film by Takashi Miike. It, it trips me out because I remember when Phoenix Wright came out, it, it just seemed like a very... Uh, I don't know, just uh, it kind of went under the radar for me initially. You know, it's like I was aware of it. I mean, I, I knew about it, but I mean, I never really owned like a... Uh, it originally came out on the DS, right? It originally came out on the Game Boy Advance Game in Boy Japan. Advance, yeah. But it, when it came to the States, it was ported to the DS. Yeah, so my brother had the DS. I didn't. I'm not really sure if he ever had those games, but, you know, I, I was just never really that exposed to them when they originally came out. So neither was I. So actually, this is another game series that I was aware of, but kind of flew under the radar. I guess never really piqued my interest. You know, you hear Ace Attorney, you think, okay, it's about a lawyer. Um, if you if you know a little bit about it, you know, some people uh, branded in the or, or put it in the visual novel category, which technically yes, but no. Um, I, I think the gameplay here is way more involved than your average visual visual novel. You definitely, know? definitely, like way more involved. But. It wasn't something that I really knew very much about or really had was uh, interested in. And then kind of on a whim, actually, I think I, I just saw something somewhere and I'd heard it mentioned a couple times. Uh, I'm huge into like the whole murder, murder mystery thing. I, so, you know, I decided to give it a shot. And uh, right within taking that very first tutorial case, which does make it into the movie, uh, at least somewhat, I was just absolutely fell in love with it. It was so much fun just... Uh, tearing apart uh, testimonies from witnesses, you know, finding the real culprit and cornering them, just using the evidence that you have in your disposal. Yeah, I mean, if this series had come out maybe 10 years, 10 or 15 years earlier, like uh, 13 or 14-year-old me would have been totally into it because I was totally into mysteries as well, man. I mean, I used to watch... I used to read like the entire Sherlock Holmes pretty much like 
I, I was into like uh, Alfred Hitchcock magazine and uh, also like Encyclopedia Brown and stuff like that. So yeah, this type of investigative kind of detective type game, like I mean, it, it's it's up my alley. It would have been up my alley back then. So. Same for me, and I actually did have a DS, and I played a lot of DS games, and it, yeah, this just sort of flew under me. It's not Capcom's like best known series, obviously. We talked about that's the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but <laughs> it is definitely. I, I think it actually deserves more attention, and apparently, it, it's done enough to get as much as it has. But. Yeah, no, I actually really, really, really fell in love with this series. I know I keep saying that, but it's true. Like, the characters and the stories are so good. And uh, actually, they have, uh, that's been faithfully adapted here in the movie. Very much so. I mean, it actually surprised me, like, how well Mike actually uh, adhered to the uh, characters, like, their characterizations. Like, not entirely in some cases, but at least to a degree as well as you know, a as as a you know under 2 hour or 2 and a half hour um runtime well, yeah. yeah uh film can do right you know yeah i mean they they're they're cramming like what four different cases from the games into this uh, movie like at least yeah somewhat cuz you know you've got the tutorial case but just part of it that makes sense why you would cut most of that off just kind of show you know, you don't need that to set up the characters and, and introduce the audience. That was mainly so that the player could learn the mechanics. But, you know, show a little piece of that as his first trial, because it is his first trial in the games. Then they kind of speed run through the second case because it is important. It introduces Maya. It does connect to the overarching narrative and comes to a head in, in case four. Um, they skipped case three, but there's kind of like a, there's a little scene of it in the movie where it's just Edgeworth prosecuting and actually um, uh, uh, prosecuting the real culprit in that case, mind you, not the person that you were defending. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that was I, a nice I, little Easter egg, though. Yeah, I mean, that's a little closer to the end of the movie, right? No, that's at the beginning. At when, the beginning, okay. When they're, when they're, no, the part that should be the, during the credits is actually a case from the second game, I okay, think. Okay, okay. Um, but... Uh, yeah, no, no, no. They have uh, the third case from the first game. The one, I guess the the one case that kind of is standalone and the one that wasn't actually adapted here, but there's a little Easter egg in it. So you could say the movie does touch on it because, again, it's just Edgeworth and it's just kind of to introduce him as this ruthless prosecutor. And it's good because we do need to see that since um, we don't get a lot of the Phoenix versus Edgeworth stuff. We get that first case that they that they faced each other and then we get Phoenix defending Edgeworth for the majority of the movie. Yeah, that was an interesting uh, interesting little uh, twist right there. Like, I mean, of course, I've never played the game, so I'm sure that happened in the games, right? Like, he was, yeah, and he it, was defending, Phoenix was defending uh, Edgeworth. Right. So, it, no, no, it is, it is a one-for-one, one, like, adaptation of. In fact, that's the one case that they don't rush through and they spend their time with and is almost one-to-one one what happens in the game. Um, you know, speed running through it a little bit, but, you know, they even have the structure of, trial investigation trial investigation trial you know and this was a three uh three trial case so yeah uh, that is actually accurate and you know some of the details are changed in order to make a more cohesive narrative and to kind of fit it in together um some things are uh even expanded on a little bit which is nice we'll, we'll get into that but uh, if you were going to pick two cases from the first game to do these two would make the most sense uh, G the Edgeworth case was actually the original final case in the GBA, Japan, Japanese game. But when it got ported over to the DS, we got Rise from the Ashes, which, by the way, is 
maybe my favorite case in the entire franchise is definitely one of the best in the series. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> that, that one was DS exclusive. Um, but it's, it's kind of disconnected from, you know, the overarching narrative from the, what exists of it in the game anyways, from cases one through four, you know? And I, I think, like I said, considering that story they're telling these, these two tr cases are the ones that make most sense to adapt. Yeah, I, I, I can kind of see what you're saying there. I mean, you know, of course, I don't really have that much familiarity with the, the cases and how they played out in the game, but how they played out in the movie was really interesting, you know, and it was it was interesting that it wasn't just all like one court case or whatever, which they easily could have done. They could have just done one or two of these yeah, and, and expanded them. But, you know, I mean, it, it does kind of lead into one of a lot of people are saying is one of the weaknesses of the movie is that the pacing in the first half of the movie is a little off. You yeah. Know? I mean, it does kind of do that speed run. I just don't know if I would have done any differently because yeah. like thinking about it. And that's why like part of me also just wants to see like a really like well done uh, live action like series or something. And uh, I mean, not that we need another Ace Attorney adaptation, but you know, it, it just kind of leaves me wondering like how you could approach that if you were if you were to you know kind of take the more serious approach that the movie did over say the anime uh, and translate that to live action, but you know get to spend more time with it. But even so, you you do this as a feature film, like this is the way you can you should do it. I think, and I don't know that I would have done it differently. A couple moments where I think the tone is a little inconsistent and awkward, but Miki just kind of makes it work as a package and by the end of it even the pacing issues sort themselves out whenever you get into the final case yeah i do want to talk about you know Mike's direction in this movie i mean it's it's interesting because i mean he obviously has a, re a very you know stylized take on you know the actual look of the game and the uh the characters and whatnot and he does approximate them very well but there's also these very a couple of scenes that are kind of haunting in a way, you know, like, yes, you know, very haunting. like when you're going into Yanni's uh, background and everything, like what actually happened with him, like after the D6 case. Yeah. After the, 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 uh, the, the DL6 case. And yeah. th th again, this was talked about in the games. We got a lot of text telling us that this happened to Yanni, but here we actually get to see it. And it's, it's, yeah, it, it's, it's, Honestly, it does work and it helps kind of establish that character who in some ways was despite being the actual culprit in that case, technically, yeah, um, was kind of forgettable as a character in the game. Really? Yeah. But, yeah. But here Yanni is is like the uh, one of the like main like driving forces of the uh, final case and whatnot, you know, and he is in the game, too. It's just yeah. like. Yeah, somehow I think we were able to connect with the character a little bit better, and he stands out a little bit more, which he should, because like you said, he does play a pivotal uh, part in the case, and then that that part isn't isn't uh, changed in any way from the games. I mean, it like I said, a lot of this is very very close. Um, even like whenever they're kind of going through uh, the second case, and and it's sped run, it is just one trial segment instead of uh, uh, two trials with investigations in between. Um, but they do manage to kind of wrap it up and even have some of the same moments where Phoenix is, is um, presenting a particular piece of evidence against a particular argument or part of the testimony um, that, are, that are exact. They just kind of like, it's like the Cliff Notes version of that trial. Well, also <laughs> going back to Mike, I mean, it's about the 
performances that he gets out of his actors. Yes. You know, and there's some really solid performances here. I mean, the actor playing, uh, the actors playing Edgeworth and uh, Phoenix and uh, Von Karma, I mean, they're, they're spot on, man. Like they, they and, really are. And that's really just uh, something that, you know, has always been uh, Miike Sama's, uh, you know, strong suit is like getting really powerful performances out of his actors. Yeah, and although they're they're changed in some ways, they do really feel like the essence of those characters. I would say uh, uh, Von Karma's just like his pers- his persona is toned down a bit. He's a little bit more stoic, I would say, but he's every bit as much of a bastard, and he's every bit as much of a hindrance, like stopping you at every part of the way, and also driving the uh, the trials. Yeah, I have to. Does. I have to say that was the really one of the better parts of the script here, where, where like, you know, the how he Mike actually interpreted those moments into the film. You know, in the, the courtroom scenes and the arguments and whatnot. I mean, because I mean, from what I've noticed, it's like the games themselves. It's a very urgent kind kind of game. You know, yes. there's, it's. I mean, you can tell just by the music. And there's always urgency to Phoenix Wright's music throughout the games, and a lot of that is translated here as well. Oh yeah, and the, the music uh, is even lifted out of the games. Uh, they do different arrangements, yeah, which is another another case of that from uh, Silent Hill, right? Yep. Yeah. The only thing is that I wish we would have gotten like a good like pursuit corner theme because per- there's there's a part in, in every game there's actually a pursuit theme that plays towards the end of a trial or or the end of a part of a trial when you've actually usually fingered the culprit and uh, you're it's you're that, actually trying da, to da, take him down. Da, 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 da. That that kind of lively uh, urgent beat. It's that. That's where where it kind of picks up a little bit. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. And it's um and and that that's specifically the first game's pursuit corner theme. Um, there is a rendition of it actually in the movie. It's just it's just it's just very slow. So it's not actually immediately noticeable. So we we don't get a true like pursuit quarter theme, but like everything else is perfect. I mean, they even play the um, the classic objection theme, which is Phoenix's character theme. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we get uh, even like like the uh, uh, the cross examination Allegro theme, which is really good. Yeah. Yeah. It it was uh, cool how he incorporated that into the courtroom scenes. Now, what did you think about the character playing the judge? Because I feel like that that was a very huge uh, change because I noticed that the judge in the game, he's a lot more animated and even just almost like getting really into the cases themselves a little bit. Yeah, the judge feels toned down quite a bit. Um, and, And what's funny is the judge is just kind of this like persistent part. He's the judge in nearly every single case across the entire series. Yeah. Um, with with uh, only a few different exceptions, such as those taking place in different time periods or in different countries, or if they're, for whatever reason, the plot requires a different judge be there. But uh, yeah, no, like he, and he, you kind of get more and more of this character through the game, like through the, each trial and you, he, he's very easily swayable, but somehow always reaches the correct verdict. That's actually how they describe him, I think, in one of the games. Yeah, exactly. But and he does seem to favor the prosecution usually, but at the end of the, at the end of the day, you know, like he follows Phoenix's line. He you start, I think you start to see where he starts to kind of like follow with his train of thought when he's coming up with some crazy theory. He's like, you know what, though, some of these have panned out. Let's hear them out. Um, and you kind of get this. And there, I love how there's like 
later on in like one of the games, um, he actually starts to like he he uh, he gets disappointed because uh, he thinks that Phoenix is going to cross examine a dolphin. Or, or was it uh, a killer whale? I was thinking it was it was an orca. That's what it was. It was an orca. Um, and he <laughs> oh, goes, God. "I thought you were gonna cross examine." You know, again referencing the parrot scene, which was in this movie. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, and he was like, "Man, I thought you were gonna, uh, you know, Mister Wright. I thought you were gonna <laughs> cross examine the orca." And then he does end up doing it, and he looks, he gets all excited <laughs> about it. That's amazing. Yeah, I love the judge, but yeah, I, I do feel like we don't get as much time with him here. So we don't get to have a lot of those moments and they don't really give him any of those like um, really like character defining moments or and he's not nearly as expressive and he's not bald. What's up with that? But yeah, it doesn't really make sense that they couldn't find an actor that was willing to shave his head for that part. Right? Yeah, that was a little bit weird. And uh, I think the judge suffers from a lot of what the other characters suffer and it's not from a, a lack of like the performances being good emulations of the characters, but it's just them not having not enough of them there and not giving them enough like character moments, I guess, which again, kind of falls into the realm of like what they can do within the runtime of this film. But I still would have loved to see more of the judge, more of a gumshoe and more of Maya. Oh, definitely more of Maya. I mean, for that matter. (laughs) Yeah. They they seemed very underutilized here. I mean, you you get to know them quite well in the game, right? Yeah. Like, so like Maya here is, she, you can definitely see her. Her and the judge, I would say, you can definitely see them as ver, as themselves. Just like we just don't get those character moments that we really need to kind of define them. So you know they're kind of just there. Uh, in a lot of ways, though, Gumshoe is completely subdued, and he's really just kind of comes off as more of like a regular detective and not the fuck up but lovable character that he is in the games. Very much so. He he seems almost slightly more competent here, actually. Yeah, yeah, he does. And then, like, Maya, on the other hand, is just kind of there um, occasionally to channel her sister. And, like, I don't know, we don't really get a lot of that, like, bubbly, yeah. childish character. Yeah, yeah, she, she was a very interesting character in the original game, from what I understand. And, yeah, here she's just very st- stoic in her own right, you know? It's like, I, I don't understand why they didn't... Uh, kind of liven her up a little bit. Like, me, me, I feel like Mike could have given her maybe a little better direction there. Yeah. And, and a little bit. Mia's barely there at all, which, I mean, in the game, she wasn't there a whole lot, only come, coming up whenever she's channeled. But we still got more of her, and we got to kind of see a little bit more of her relationship with Phoenix. And here, we don't get to. And, and part of that's not really the film's thought, fault or Mike's fault. Um, one character I will say that is translated uh, near exactly is Larry. <laughs> Oh, definitely. Larry, Larry is just spot on. He's just a total fucking goofball. And you know, it's funny about Larry is he's this comic relief character that shows up in the most unexpected of places. Like he'll show up. He, he, he is the first defendant, right? And then, and then he pops up again later in what was originally the final case of the game and actually ha- plays a fairly significant part, even as like a more supporting character. Um, and then we don't see him again until the third game when he pops up a couple more times, but it's in like just the most unexpected ways. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and he's just there and it's like, and he's always the same. And, it's, and, and um, they did actually even include the whole uh, relationship and uh, the, the, the child, uh, the class trial that uh, Edgeworth and Phoenix and uh, Larry participated in as, as children. 
Yeah, those were some very interesting. Those were some very interesting scenes as well. You know, because I mean, Nikkei also can get some pretty good performances out of uh, child actors as well. And, and honestly, the kid versions of these characters were pretty spot on in their own right. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, I thought that, uh, yeah, they, they definitely felt, I think um, pretty much exactly the way that they did in the game. They had that whole uh, class trial done exactly the way. Um, and so again, very, very faithful, whatever it is. And it, it, like I said, it, it does take away from some of these character moments cause we don't have time to show them. Um, we, we do miss, uh, just different, like, like the, a lot of what trials that we do have in the game besides the last one are, um, are, are truncated, you know, cliff notes versions, but whenever it does do something exactly like it does in the games, it does it exactly like it does in the games, except where, you know, they kind of need to make a change, um, which in some ways in, improve the narrative or make it work better for this setting, at least. Yeah, so, um, like, uh, in particular, there's there's a couple changes. Like, they change Edgeworth's uh, elevator scene with his dad and Yanni Yogi to uh, the uh, evidence room instead. Interesting. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, the way that they tied Mia into the whole plot was actually brilliant because uh, uh, Mia was was uh, tied into, like, 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 the whole, like, Mia investigating Red White thing, that was in the game, but the whole making Red White involved with Von Karma and tying him to DL6, because we did start hearing about DL6 in that case, but they, they tied it into it that way and then later had her be the one that discovered the evidence that's needed to overturn the trial against uh, Von Karma. It's the same piece of evidence, but in the game, actually, Maya manages to get it from him very quickly. I kind of actually like the change that they did here with tying it into the Thinker statue yet again. That's a piece of evidence that pops up in uh, uh, a few different cases, um, but not in that one in the games. They bring it back in in the end and have her be the one that delivers it via that. I actually thought that was pretty brilliant. Oh, man, the Thinker statue is pr practically its own character in this movie, sort yeah. of. I mean, it, it plays a pivotal role in almost every trial here, right? Yeah, and that actually works because it does do that in the first couple cases, and then it just doesn't really show up again. And then so tying it back into the whole overarching plot actually really works in the movie's benefit. And again, it makes sense to have uh, Mia be the one that delivers that evidence that they shouldn't have. Exactly. At the and last possible minute. And also, I mean, uh, in, in the way that she did it uh, posthumously, you know? Like, yeah. Just through, through the thinker statue. Yeah, that's actually, that's actually really cool. I actually really like what they did with that. Um, as far as the channeling me effect goes, it was kind of weird. In the games, Maya just physically or uh, other spirit mediums in the Fae family, like uh, her cousin Pearl, they just tr physically transform into who they're channeling. And so like, like Maya's tits get bigger because Mia has big tits <laughs> in the games. <laughs> and of course, uh, she, of course she does and she has the the little mole on her face so you tell it's her and she styles her hair a little bit differently so it looks like like a slightly like transformed version of, of maya with mia characteristics it's still in her you know maya clothes right but the game kind of does this or the, sorry, the movie does this kind of like ethereal like glow effect around her so that i guess it's really obvious that that's what's happening it's a channeling visually yeah i mean the supernatural elements here I mean, it actually starts the movie off. It starts it off with, uh, 
going back to the DEL six case and uh, using my, their mom, Mr. using Day. their mom as as a uh, medium, as and, a spirit medium, and that was a very important part of the backstory in the games. But we actually open up with that, which is an inter- interesting choice. Um, I think uh, Miike definitely dives into the supernatural a little bit more, kind of lets the movie have a little bit of a different feeling, and you can kind of see some of his other work here. Yeah, yeah, you can see some of his more horror-inspired work here yes. a little bit. And also in, in some of the uh, flashbacks, you can even see his uh, work in uh, in Yakuza movies as well, which used to be pretty much his bread and butter back in the day, you know? So yeah, a lot of those scenes, I mean... Yeah, they, they, they pretty much uh, fall into his bailiwick, 100%. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, again, like, that, the glow effect was a little bit weird to me, but uh, the fact that they made that something that I guess only Phoenix notices kind of answers some questions. Like, in the games, these characters would physically transform, and that would rarely ever be pointed out by other characters, which is weird because you'd have, like, this eight- or nine-year-old girl transform into Mia, and it's like... You know, somebody would have said something, right? <laughs> An eight or nine year old girl turns into me. Jesus Christ! Yeah, a little little pearl does. Oh no, shit! That's crazy. Yeah, um, and so like like age wise, she like ages up, but it's it, it is it. So it would definitely be a huge difference. Like Maya's one thing, like somebody didn't notice that she just transformed into a completely different woman, but. You know, whatever, they're sisters. But when, like, when Pearl does it, it's like nobody ever talks about it except those rare occasions when they do. So I guess <laughs> those rare occasions that they do. Oh, my God. Yeah, it does get brought up. Um, but uh, here, like, Phoenix is the only one, I guess, that can see her. So they kind of work around that, which is fine, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still trying to contemplate that with the nine-year-old girls. Like, oh, my God. It is weird because Ace Attorney is such a wacky um, setting. Like, like the whole thing, the whole story is wacky when you think about it. Because when you play through the games, it's like this courtroom genre. But there's also supernatural elements that just kind of come in. And it's like, oh, okay, no, spirit channeling is real. It's a real thing. All right. All right. Makes sense. (laughs) And, And witnesses just pull items out of nowhere. And all of this wacky shit happens. And so trying to translate this stuff onto screen and doing so faithfully, having the characters wear costumes and look exactly like their game counterparts. You know, and even having things like witnesses pull out fucking megaphones out of nowhere. <laughs> like pretty much have hammer space. Yeah. And whatnot. Yeah. It, it, it does come off a little bit weird, though, when like immediately perceiving it was like a more like serious uh, moment. And the game had serious moments, too, but I guess it was a little bit more spread out. And I think whenever the movie does a serious moment, Miike gives it that like Miike seriousness. Yeah, definitely. He gives it that gravitas that he gives in the movies like Gozu or uh, Audition. You know, it's very similar. Like like going back to that scene with Yanni Yogi discovering his wife's suicide. Like that is classic Miike right there. <laughs> ご視聴ありがとうございました霊媒師の善意なんです。私に習いだからまだ思えないのにはいかないですけど。これは人間の確かな証拠だ。あの人そんなにすごいの？ 
40年間無敗だってずっと前から追っていた事件があって重要な証拠が手に入ったのでそれをあなたに手伝ってほしいの鶴木玲二容疑者逮捕ですこの事件と千尋さんの事件はつながってる陰で操ってる奴がいるこじつけた意義ありかつてない法廷バトルが今幕を開ける決定的な証拠ですこの中の嘘を見破れ So it's an interesting juxtaposition, and I'm actually glad that both sides are here, that we get that Miyake seriousness, and that we get those just like, oh, yeah, this is something the character in the game would totally do, and this is, or this is exactly what, what they're like. And、um, it's just sometimes it, is, it does clash a little bit, but I think the movie, again, just kind of like, it works itself out, and you kind of just come to trust it. And I mean, if you're a fan of Miyake, then you're no, you should be no stranger to. Uh, the movies. I mean, I, this is really isn't a whole lot different than his Bailiwick. <laughs> Not really. I mean, especially since, you know, I mean, adapting anime and manga has kind of been something that he's done well. I mean, Ichi the Killer, that was a manga right there, you know,、uh, yeah. as the gods will. That was a manga, and that's one of his more recent works. And I mean, yeah, he actually knows how to. Get into a source material and kind of, you know, make it make sense in a cinematic lens. Definitely. He's a master at that craft. And the fact that he's done so many different genres, ranging from、uh, disturbing horror, ranging to、uh, adaptations of video games, ranging to kids' movies. Yeah, like Great Yokai War or Zebra Man. Like, like yeah, see, he, he did a straight up Sentai、uh, movie. Straight up Super Sentai style, a zebra man. Yeah. And then whatever the fuck Visitor Q was. <laughs> oh, Visitor Q is a masterpiece. That's what it is. <laughs> or, or, you know, even like Ichi, which is definitely more wacky, you know, kind of more like some of, some of this. It actually is interesting because you got the wackiness of things like Ichi or, or Visitor Q, but then you've got like the, the gravitas that comes with like audition. Or <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, but it's not like Mike hasn't done comedies in his own right, though. There's a movie that he did early on called Osaka Tough Guys, which is a total like, goofball take on,、uh, on the Yakuza genre. It's total goofball shit. And, you know, I mean, it still has some of his、uh, you know, more disturbing flourishes here and there, but it's actually a very silly movie and whatnot. So, I mean, Same with Great Yokai War. I mean, that, that kind of goes into some、uh, different territory there. And also, he did Happiness of the Katakuris, which is pretty much like a zombie rom com musical dramedy or something like that. <laughs> so, I mean, humor is something that he can actually pull off. Yeah, and it works here. I think the, the humor that we get, I think even somebody who isn't as familiar with the characters, or if at all, For in some cases, you know, like you, like you can kind of get introduced to these character archetypes to kind of really、uh, understand the, the humor, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and this came out in 2012, actually. So、uh, it, it's been a little over 10 years. I would really love to see him like revisit the Ace Attorney franchise, but like I feel like it would, it's been as long as it has. The, the best thing to do would be to go ahead and go out to the post time skip games, starting with、uh, Apollo Justice. 
Yeah, it would be interesting to see an Apollo Justice movie by Takashi Miike. Which is interesting because at the very end of the movie, they use Apollo Justice's objection theme. His, his character theme. I thought that was odd, actually. At the very end of the game, they they, they have uh, uh, Apollo's theme. And I was like, okay. And I think, like, yeah, I think those those games came out, like, roughly within the same time frame. Um, or I think this would have been, like, between, like, say, uh, Apollo Justice and Dual Destinies, more like, mo- most likely. Um, yeah, I think so. That's about, this is right before Ace of 35, yeah. Um, but like if they were, if, if Takashi Miike, if you're listening and you, you want to do another Ace Attorney movie, go ahead and do Apollo Justice straight up because we yeah. get to have grown up like Hobo Phoenix. <laughs> oh my God. But then may have him have like, have him like change things up a little bit and have him do his comeback like at the end of the game. Yeah. Or at the end of the movie, I should at say. The Sorry. The movie, that would be cool that he, he could kind of play the, the Mia character there, the mentor character, yes. right? Yeah. He, he does cool. He does sort of in Apollo Justice, but he doesn't actually like he, he doesn't go back and um and 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 get he, he's in hobo costume the whole game and he's just kind of this weird different version of, of Phoenix. Wow. Like Phoenix really? has always been very like sarcastic and uh dare, dare I say sardonic, but here he's even like like the hobo Phoenix is even more so. And I think it would be a really interesting evolution of um, the character that we've seen here, we get to see that side of the character that we didn't get as much in this movie. I mean, that, that's another character who I think we mentioned is, is very spot on, like when it comes to like the fumbling, goofy Phoenix. But w- but we do get to see him stumble more than we get to see him actually like triumph and like actually figure things out on his own. I mean, don't get me wrong. There were plenty of moments in the games where a character would come in uh, at the last minute when the trial was about to, to end and the, they actually directly adapt those scenes in some places and, and completely save the case or like just completely by the skin of his teeth, by luck, he would manage to pull through or he would have to bluff to drag out a trial. Those moments exist in the games, but then we also get, you know, in the meat or towards the end of a trial, especially these moments where he, he does actually piece everything together himself. And um, I, I will say that when I, I don't feel like we get as much of that as here as we do in the games. So, in some ways, maybe Phoenix isn't as competent, but he's also at the beginning of his career. And in the first game, he isn't, I will say he isn't as competent as he is later. So it, it does kind of work in the context of this adapting the first game. Uh, and, and like I said, if they were going to go to the route, if, if uh, Miike wanted to do an Apollo Justice adaptation, we could definitely get to see the other sides of Phoenix's character that were missed here. Yeah, I would imagine so. It'd be interesting to see how Mike could kind of present that part of uh, Phoenix's uh, character arc. Yeah. But what's interesting here is that, yeah, we did actually get to see um, basically the first game, the the, uh, cliff notes of, of the first game here on the screen and what they could have totally gone in the direction of like what some of the stage plays or musicals have done where, um, it's just kind of like this disconnected, like other case that the characters could have done, but they didn't. They decided to actually adapt some of the cases of uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney, the game, or Yakuten Saibon One. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, who better than Takashi Miike to actually, you know, just kind of tie in together some of the the uh, seriousness and courtroom drama vibes, uh, as well as the, uh, the the goofiness that is Ace Attorney. I mean, I've always wanted to see Takashi Miike take on some 
an adaptation, something like uh, live action Akira, maybe. Yeah, or something seriously. like that. Or, I mean, that would be interesting. Like, he would also do an awesome live action Perfect Blue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he could definitely do that. That he would could, be perfect. He could pull it. I mean, Satoshi Kone was practically uh, anime's Mige, anyways. So, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, no, actually, that would be perfect. And I know they've been talking about doing Akira for a while. So, yeah, fuck it. Give me give that. Right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. G- give him the full international release. Exactly. Like 100%. <laughs> give him Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he probably would have made something a little more faithful. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that I, was I, terrible. I, 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 was... T- I tend to kind of forget that the live action thing happened. I don't know. Like I liked for it for what it was, more uh, so than well, like I could say that I uh, that I liked the Death Note. You know, yeah. Well, action. that's that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> you, you know, conversation for a whole another episode. Yeah. No. Exactly. But yeah, out of the adaptations that I've seen, I think this is the best one because I mean I've been watching the anime and I I can't put my finger on it. It's like. Because it, it is very faithful, but I don't know the animation quality is just not there, and there's just a few weird things. Um, the movie, I don't know, it just, it just kind of works for me. Yeah, I I, I saw a few uh, a few clips of the anime. Yeah, the animation does kind of have that very kind of generic second tier feel to it. Yeah, I mean I don't want to say third tier, but second tier seems about right. Now, something interesting that both the English versions of the anime and uh, the movie do, actually, is um, they decided to use the localized versions of the character names, which works because, you know, from a standpoint, the reason why the character names were changed in the first place was so that some of those puns on characters' names would actually work in English. Uh, And also now that we've been, that we're, you know, fans of the games are used to those, of course, that's what they should use in the uh, subtitled or in the case of the anime, the dubbed version. I don't think there's a dubbed version of this movie that exists. Probably not. And honestly, I would be against dubbing this movie because it works just fine with with the original Japanese audio track. Yeah. But anyway, what they do is they take the localized character names. But here and the movie, they both still have uh, it take place in Japan rather than in the... uh, 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 American versions uh, had it taking place in Los Angeles. And I understand why, because you can't convince us that what you're showing to us visually is Japan. I'm sorry. Yeah, but here it's very Japanese. I mean, it, especially if you look at uh, some of the scenes at Larry Butts's uh, place, yeah. you know, or, or even like uh, like Lada Hart. I mean, she's obviously an, o- an Osaka country bumpkin, you know, like very obviously. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, you know, I, I don't envy their position. It, it is a little bit weird, but, you know, I, I can't say that I would do it any way differently because these are the character names. I don't know him as Naruhoto Ruichi. I know him as Phoenix Wright. Exactly, yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, you can't convince me. What's funny is that the games uh, do have, you know, they're not, they can actually work with it. And because the first game decided to, to set it in uh, America, the other games that are, that seemed more explicitly Japanese had to run with it. And so Phoenix, the, the Ace Attorney franchise in the localized version actually takes place in an alternate universe, America or, or California, where uh, certain laws weren't passed. So uh, it, California got, was significantly more Japanified and I guess has a completely different legal system than the rest of the U.S. does as we know it. 
<laughs> that's weird. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, that's what they run with, you know, for like the Japanese uh, influence. That's definitely in the games. Um, that actually, they can't even really use that in, in the, uh, the movie or the anime. It's like, no, this takes place in Japan and all the characters, and especially here in the live action, I mean, all the characters are Japanese. So, yeah. Now there's a couple of questions that I do want to ask about this. First off, what was up with the whole Gordy thing? You know, um, it ended up being a goddamn big ass balloon. That's it's exactly like, what it was in the game. So really, that's what that, it that, is. That's from the game. Yeah, one hundred percent. Gordy is this kind of like this mystery that you kind of go through through like the first uh, like day of, of investigation and trial, um, and you don't really know what it is. But it's this weird like thing that's in the background that's kind of like you don't you you can't really tell how it's related, but the murder and Gordy happened at the same location. And then you do end up tying it together and you discover that Larry's behind it in exactly the same way. That was <laughs> That's in the movie. great, dude. And that actually does help later on because it helps you prove a point in court. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that is but actually... Th the next question is, what was that blue bandit thing? What was that thing? And what was that scene where he stopped the, 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 the judge from rendering his verdict and then just... I don't know. The suit just drops. There's nobody in it. So the Blue Badger is the mascot of, depending on uh, which uh, version you're looking at, the Los Angeles Police Department or uh, a Japanese Police Department. Uh, I think there are is actually some uh, some global influence as the games progress. But anyway, um, the Blue Badger is just this mascot that pops up. Actually, turns up uh, and plays a a, a pretty interesting role in uh when you're trying to make a point in rise from the ashes the uh, ds exclusive case of phoenix Wright's attorney and just kind of just keeps on popping up into the games um doesn't really serve any major function um most of the time but he's just kind of there so it was just kind of one of those things i guess they wanted to bring in to the movie and be like okay yeah we got the blue badger and I guess it works because they're they're like okay we need to like stop the trial it's another like character pop in at the last minute and stop yeah, the judge from delivering uh, the I, I love that Mike does it in the most Mike way possible yeah you know? just out of nowhere like randomly and it just weirds you out and then the it's suit's just, empty the suit's empty and it's never ever seen or heard or from or talked about again what did Mike mean by this yeah what the fuck what the <laughs> fuck Takashi I mean. I love your work, man. <laughs> but what was that? Yeah, it, it, it was weird, but I understand what they were doing. And, and I guess it worked because it was the way of like the police department stopping and Gumshoe coming in with um, the, the witness that they needed. So. Yeah, okay. I kind of get the what he was going for then, then, I guess. That part happens in the game. I think, I think Gumshoe just comes in, though. Yeah, yeah. He comes in, he brings in the parrot, which is... Yeah, uh, and it's they, cool that they brought that scene into the anime. They or do the anime into the movie. Movie, yeah. They, they do the parrot cross examination scene, and it's awesome. And it it even serves the same role, which was basically just Phoenix uses the parrot. It's actually one of the one of the funner testimonies because the, the parrot doesn't have a real testimony. It's just repeating garbage. But you're trying to like manipulate it into saying something to prove a connection between yeah. uh, the the witness who at that point is unnamed and Yanni Yogi, his true identity. Yeah. So they actually, yeah, that, that part is almost like, again, shot for shot, like exactly the way that they did it. Um, yeah, speaking of the shots, I mean, I even notice like the way that we get um, those angles on um, the defenders of the prosecutor's bench. Exactly. Oh, it's, it's like uh, spot on. 
Yeah. Almost. Yeah. It's which almost is, note for note. Which is funny because in the games, you know, it's the uh, it's from the judge's point of view. If you look at any shots that the defense or the per- the prosecution are always from the judge's point of view in court. The anime actually fucked that up and and took their positions as the actual positions they took when standing from the other side of the room. Oh, what? Yeah, it's it's one of my weird problems with the anime. I know it's a nitpick, but man, I, it fucking bothers me. They're on the <laughs> wrong fucking sides. God damn it. How are you going to fuck that up? Right? Exactly. Jesus. So, yeah, when you're walking into the courtroom, the defense is on the left, but the angle always looks like you're looking at them and they're on the right because it's from the judge's point of view. Yeah. And the movie, I, I want to say, actually did those shots exactly the way that they're supposed to be. So props on you, Miike, for even coming coming down to that level of detail. But the anime adaptation did not. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> But I, I guess uh, we'll sort of get into our final thoughts here, Bo, starting with you. Like I said, I'm not really that deep into Phoenix Wright as a game. I'm, like, familiar with it. I've, I'm, I've seen some playthroughs. I've seen you play a lot of it. Yeah. So I do have a small frame of reference here. And so far, this this movie, it seems to... Yeah, it, it was entertaining. It seems to really, you know, get to the gist of what the games are about. And, I mean, who else met Mike to actually do that? So, I mean, yeah, I, I think that it's it, it's worth a watch. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we, 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 we actually keep doing this, but, uh, yeah, th- I think we're actually kind of disproving the myth that uh, video game adaptations are bad, because we've come across a lot of good ones. There's been a, quite a few good ones lately. We need to do some more of the, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, maybe we need to get to the 90s Double Dragon game. Street Fighter. Street Fighter. Oh, what else? Uh, See, we defended Super Mario <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> we did. We did, because that is kind of a fun movie. And even Mortal Kombat. Well, that that was like the original benchmark for a good video game movie at that time. So, yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, again, this is a good uh, video game film adaptation. Honestly, I would say it's it's very faithful to the games, um, in very specific ways, uh, and even when it's not, you know, it remains true to the moment, true to the characters. Again, I think my only issues are the like most of the time we just don't get enough running time to really get those great character moments to get those great character arcs and really get to know some of them. Um, but for what it you could achieve in a two and a half hour max um, feature film. Yeah. 100%. And as a standalone film, I think it works. I think it's very much on brand for Takashi Miike. I uh, like, like you said, like I said before, um, I wouldn't really trust anybody else to do this good of a job and and what's funny is i can even see where his influence comes in and kind of takes over a little bit and that's what you want to see exactly yeah you 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 want to see directors especially somebody with such an esoteric and auteur kind of aura about him you want him to still you know put his mark on the uh on the movie itself regardless of its source material so yeah i mean mike is all over this movie Hell yeah, I agree. And uh, if you like uh, listening to our analysis on that, uh, we are going to be getting into the Ace Attorney trilogy, uh, specifically the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy, the first three games, uh, as uh, the next Collateral Gaming episode. I'm going to throw that into a collab as well. I'm going to force Bo to watch as I 
press force <laughs> testimony into, into witnesses' mouths because I can actually kind of speed run through this shit. I, I've played through at least, uh, definitely the cases in the first game enough times that like I know. Uh, that's good. All right. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we'll 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 we'll, uh, we'll get through that. And uh, yeah, we're gonna be talking about the Ace Attorney trilogy, and uh, this month. And uh, if you didn't check out our previous collab on uh, Need for Speed, uh, we just got that out. We and like we mentioned before, our uh, Miyakeverse Part One Redux of Audition. So go check those episodes out if you haven't already. Uh, on the collateral cinema side, uh, I believe uh, this month, we're, well, last month we were supposed to have out Spaceballs, so we'll get that out as soon as possible. And then I believe, what, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Teenage Mutant, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1990. We're going to be doing that with, uh, with uh, hindsight movie reviews. Uh, they're going to come back. And uh, we're going to do Corvette Summer with the Spy Hearts podcast. That'll be our season finale, so we'll go ahead and announce that now. That's the rest of the and season right there. may as well announce the uh, 420 episode, our annual celebration of everything that is weed-related in cinema. We are going to be talking about Kevin Smith's Clerks, which is going to be a classic. Fucking A. And we do need to watch that uh, Clerks 3 DVD I got to you for Christmas. And honestly, we, we should just watch all three movies. Yeah. Seriously, just in order. Yeah, we can kind of talk about them a little bit, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that, that would be cool. So, yeah, stick around for that. Uh, Collateral Gaming is also coming to a close. Um, yeah, this month, uh, Ace Attorney. It was supposed to be last month's shit. Um, I'm cutting what uh, I was going to have planned for this month to do that because this series means a lot to me. Uh, and then April will be our bad game month. We're doing our 420 special on uh, Conqueror's Bad Fur Day as well. Uh, the two bad games that we're doing uh, are going to be um, Plumbers Don't Wear Ties. I'm so excited for that one. I'm going to be here for that because there's a classic AVGN episode for that one. So, And, uh, and uh, uh, E.T. E.T. Once again, he, he, he made that the basis of his movie, uh, Angry Video Game Nerd. It, it, that, the, the very end result of that was just a review of E.T. Yeah. That was at the end of the movie. Yeah, I was starting to worry that we'd run out of bad games, and then I was like, wait, we have an entire catalog of angry video game nerds. Yeah, we could find all kinds of shitty fucking crap. Games that suck ass, right? Yep, the shitty games that suck ass. And then our season finale on uh, Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> so excited. Uh, as we did with God of War, as we did with Metroid Dread, uh, we are part one is going to be the uh, spoiler free game launch review. And then part two will be our full spoiler thoughts on what is almost certainly going to be my game of the year. I know that that sounds like, Hey, you're already deciding that before you play the game, but I trust Nintendo. I trust the Zelda team. Uh, Breath of the wild is one of my favorite video games of all time. So there's no doubt. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> In my mind. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I'm really, really excited to get into the Ace Attorney, uh, series in particular, uh, and the, the trilogy is honestly, uh, the, those are the best games. Those and, uh, the great Ace Attorney Chronicles, which is what I would touch on next if I, when we revisit this franchise. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's like, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been taking up a little more of a role on collateral gaming here and there. So it, it, honestly, it's, it's fun to talk about video games again, you know? It's just a lot of fun. So yeah, yeah, no, it's been great having you. It's been great doing as many collabs as we have this season. 
Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look forward to more of that. I think uh, next season, what I was actually kind of doing was uh, doing a little bit of a cross collab kind of thing. So rather than us talking about a video game movie or a movie video game, uh, I was actually thinking about, and, and I, I've talked to you about this, but uh, one of my movies is an anime movie. Uh, and then I also want to do a video game based on that anime franchise. Yeah, that that's cool. I, I think I know which one you're talking about. Yes, sir. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. So, yeah, that'll be exciting. Yeah, so that that's actually going to be a lot of fun. That's actually crossing over to the realm of an anime series. Oh, yeah, definitely. So kind of, kind of like a three-way collab kind of going on there, so to speak, uh, between uh, media forms. <laughs> nice. Letter Media at the center of it. So, yeah, we've got a lot planned. Uh, obviously, we've got the rest of this season. Uh, any, like, movies that are coming out that we definitely need to cover, we're going to be covering. And also look for some more Collateral Cinema Director's Cut content, commentaries and also content. We, we will have more of that as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, we also both... Collateral Cinema and Collateral Gaming do have Patreons where you can check out exclusive full-length movie commentaries and Let's Play video game commentaries. Yes, uh, tiers start at $1 on uh, the Collateral Cinema. Uh, we're going to add more perks to the tiers, and we're also, well, once we actually start getting uh, some more patrons coming in and everything, we might start doing more uh, like early episode releases, maybe more Q&As, Maybe even some uh, some Patreon polls. So, uh, yes, please uh, please join us on Patreon. We will have. Uh, we're also going to be working on uh, merch, especially during the uh, off season. So, uh, look for that coming very soon. And we should have a website up very soon, right, Ash? Yes, uh, that is in the works. Um, just been kind of dealing with a lot of other stuff in regards to my career, but, um, I, I did set the, the beginnings of the collateral media, uh, website. Excellent. And also I believe that there, and also I believe that we do have a subreddit. Find us at, r slash collateral cinema. And also, uh, find us on a uh, good pods, uh, pod chaser and, uh, and, and where else? Uh, no, no. Yeah. Find us on Podchaser and on Good Pods. Uh, give us uh, five-star reviews there to help us climb up the ranks. And also give us uh, five-star reviews on Apple Podcast and Google Play or whatever uh, podcast app that you use. Fucking A, man. Yep, exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we can check us out on all the social medias. Uh, stay tuned for the rest of the content. And, uh, yeah, this is this has been a, a fun season. This has been a fun, you know, phenomenal uh, five to six years. It really has. Yeah, just looking back on it, I mean, I'm even starting to get nostalgia about the early days of the show a little bit. I mean, five years for me, actually, so. Yeah, it's been six or seven for Robert and I. It has been a wild ride, and uh, glad to be a part of it. Yeah, we, we have much, much, much more in store for everybody. Uh, and uh, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for listening to us all these years. Uh, and uh, yeah, thanks for sticking with us. So we hope for another 12,000 downloads. So yeah, thank you. Hells yeah. Alrighty, well, that being said, I, I really think there's only one more thing to say to win this podcast, isn't there, Bo? Yeah. Objection!
Collateral Cinema is a Collateral Media podcast. All music and movie clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.